Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. We tend to have our own inclinations of what love is, our own experiences. We get brought up in families that may show love in different ways, different uh, types, may say love in different types, but then we have our own experiences that actually start forming of how we express love, how we show love, how we receive love. So I'm hoping during this month we can actually start tearing apart what real love is that we can actually see where love actually comes from and how we can actually look into ourselves. I'm not hoping to change the world, but I'm hoping to actually sit there and allow you to start thinking outside of your own expectations and see what God is trying to say and has been saying throughout your life, throughout our life. I love that story, and I know that uh, a lot of people have probably seen that story before because it's been around a long time. There was between two uh, stories, and I think that one always tends to bring a, uh, a tear to my eye because uh, it is, is actually true what it says at the end is that if only we would realise that God has done that to us over and over again and wants to do that. And the big line that, I, uh, that tends to get missed in that is that they finish the race together. We're not running this race alone. And sometimes we feel like we might be alone, but we're not running this race alone. God wants to actually finish this race together. He wants to cross the finish line together. And I think that is just the encapsulation of love. Um, So let's explore that. A young girl screams, I hate you, and runs from the room. Words from a child thrown as emotional darts. Where she learnt that, is irrelevant. But whatever the case may be, hate and love have become society's bywords, almost tried cliches tossed around carelessly at objects, situations, and even people. The casual use of such words as love and hate has emptied them of their meaning. So we we no longer understand statements that describe our loving God who hates sin. So we picture a God who's gentle and kind, in some cases a cosmic pushover. And our concept of what he hates is tempered by our misconceptions and wishful thinking. The words of the prophet in the Old Testament stand in stark contrast to our such misconceptions of love. God's hatred is real, burning, consuming and destroying He hates sin. And he stands as the righteous judge, ready to meet our just punishment to all who defy his rule. But God's love is also real. So real that he sent his son, his one and only son, the Messiah, to save and accept judgment, our judgment, in the sinner's place. Love and hate are together both unending, irresistible, and unfathomable. To understand love, you need to know what God hates, since God is love. No matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I am bankrupt 
without love. So what is love? A lot of people would have been to a wedding where 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 reads this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. Or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, before I move on, love, we don't get to choose when we show love and how we show love if we actually know love. So at the beginning of today, I turned around and said to you that I'm hoping during this month that we can start exploring what love really is, where it actually comes from, and how we can actually receive love to give love, to understand what it actually is. Our society confuses love and lust far too easy. Unlike lust, God's kind of love is directed outwardly towards others, not inwardly towards ourselves. It is an utterly unselfish. This kind of love goes against our natural inclinations. It is impossible to love unless God helps us set aside our own natural desires so that we can love, and here's the big part, we can love with not expecting anything in return. Utterly unselfish. Thus, the more we become like Christ, the more that we can show love to others, no matter who they are, no matter how close we are to them, or no matter what we know and don't know about them. Over the next coming weeks, we'll be exploring what real love is, diving into 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, and each week we're breaking up each part of that. Today I've got 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can set up the next four weeks. But before we dive into that, we need to actually go a little bit further, a little bit, little bit back, just before that, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. It says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth and, all, and, and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Powerful words. Powerful words. And as we start going into what I'm going to be exploring today, the one thing that I, and I'll say it again, is that if we choose to love people just because of what they input into our lives, is that actually showing love? Is that actually experiencing love? Is that actually knowing love? Or is that actually fulfilling our selfish desires? I don't know. You tell me. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. So let's break that, break that down, shall we? Love is patient. 
Some texts read like this. Love patiently endures mistreatment. Which could mean that love is incredibly patient even in difficult relationships. The Aramaic can be translated like love transforms the spirit. Patience is a virtue and talked about throughout the Bible in the Old and the New Testaments. According to 1 Samuel, lack of patience can cause you to miss blessings. Be patient or being patient is a, is a is vital part of trusting God as our life circumstances are not always what we would prefer. There are many well-known Bible verses that discuss this important, the importance of patience and appreciation for the present moment. But the best way to discover the biblical guidance and wisdom about practicing patience is to look to the Bible itself. Patience is the supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. It kind of aligns with our theme for this year. Not my will, but your will be done. And as I said several times, during that series uh, in February, I said one of the hardest things to pray is, not my will, but your will be done. Yeah? But in Galatians 6, 9, it says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessings if we don't give up in every situation. In Psalm 37, 7, it says this, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. That completely encapsulates what love is because if God is love and we're in his presence, we are able to be patient no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what's going on around us because if we're experiencing that love, we are able to sit patiently. Next one, love is kind. In Titus 3, 4 to 7, it says this, when God our Saviour revealed, which that revealed, it comes from a Greek word, Etheno or Etheni, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which means to shine forth brightly in an appearing. Shine forth brightly. So when God our Saviour to shine forth brightly, his kindness and love, He saved us. When he revealed, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away. He washed away our sins. Giving us new birth through the new life, through the Holy Spirit. In some Greek text it reads, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a matter of us being renewed. It's a matter of allowing the Spirit to be able to regenerate and remove into us so that we can experience anew. 
He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Saviour. Because of his grace, he made us right in his, in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. There's no doubt there whatsoever, is there? If we allow the Spirit to transform us inside and experience the love that God wants us to experience and we act on that, we have no hesitation that we will inherit eternal life. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Many scholars believe, many scholars believe that this verse, Titus 3, 4 to 7, are ancient Christian poetry or maybe even perhaps a hymn. So listen to these words. The hymn of salvation by grace. When the extraordinary compassion of our God our Saviour and his overwhelming love suddenly appeared in person as a brightness of dawning day, he came to save us. Not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but because of his extravagant mercy. He saved us. Resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth we are made completely new by the Holy Spirit. Nothing we have done. Whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus, the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, innocent before his face, that's hard to hear that. I'll repeat that again. It's not because of what we've done. It's not because of what's living because of our deeds. It's because the Holy Spirit is living inside us. Are we going to allow that? We are seen as faultless, innocent before his face. This is the kind of love that we're dealing with. We can now become heirs of all things, all because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. How good are those words? What I love in that poetry part, and that comes from the Aramaic text, what I love is that all three members of the Trinity are mentioned. And they are seen as active participants in our salvation through the kindness of the love of God. Again, not because of what we have done, but because God wants to express love in kindness so that we can inherit eternal life. He wants to journey that finishing line with us. Each day is a, is an option for us. Each day is a choice. Each day is a choice for us to actually firstly live and accept the love of Christ so that we can live and give the love of Christ, not our love. Next one. Love is, patient. Oh, love is not jealous, sorry. Love is not jealous. Another word for jealous is envy or envious. Jealousy is a powerful force that we often need God's words to help us overcome it. So referring back to the Bible again in Proverbs 
14.30, it says, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. The jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Again, harsh words. Harsh words. But the thing that I, uh, I, I get out of this is that we actually choose to allow jealousy to start creeping through our bodies. And the hard thing is, is that a lot of the times when we start experiencing jealousy in different areas, in different ways, we tend to overlook it. We don't name it and hand it to God because it's something that sometimes we feel like we may be able to deal with it ourselves. Or maybe, oh, I'm not a jealous person. So that can't be jealousy. But yet it's a natural inclination of us being human to actually be jealous of something that we may not have. Jealousy, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. In James 4, 1 to 3, it says this. Again, very powerful words. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Now I'd love to rip this apart, and maybe this is another sermon another day, just this, first, just this section of the Bible itself. As it goes on, it says this. Doesn't the battle begin inside you as you fight to have your own way? and fulfill your own desires. When we choose to fulfill our own desires, our selfish ambition, that's when the jealousy starts forming. That's when the jealousy starts building up because maybe we're not hearing what God wants us to hear. Maybe we're, we're sitting there going, why aren't you speaking, God? Why don't you tell me where I'm going? But yet I'm already walking and God's going, hey, 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 hey. That's not the path that I want you to go. It goes on and says this. You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourselves as better than others. You scheme with envy. In in some verses it says you scheme or you kill and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. It doesn't mean... Just physical things here, guys. It means emotional or spiritual things or things that you turn around and go, I wish I could do what that person does in ministry. I wish I could do what that person does by able to be speaking up the front or be able to feed into people's lives. I wish I could do that. There's something as simple as that. The devil tends to start using it. So harm others and selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God. And if you ask God, you won't receive it if you are asking with corrupt motives. In, a Greek, in the Greek word kakaos, can be also translated as sick or sickly. So if you are asking with sickly motives, that sickly can also seen as your own selfish empire, like it's kind of using God as a genie, sitting there going, I wish I had that, can I have that? Part of my three wishes. No, God doesn't work like that. So corrupt motive, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Still with me? All good? Next part, love is boastful. 
Love is not boastful, sorry. Love is not boastful. Boasting is showing pride and glorifying yourself. It takes the glory away from God. If you want to glorify someone, then let it be God to encourage others. If you're encouraging and glorifying God in, in the small things, that will start encouraging others because if God is love and the text God breathes as it says that he is, then God will do the work and all you need to be is available to actually allow the love to live through you, no matter what you do. In Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24, it says this, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand what I that I am Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. So if you know God, if you know the source of love, you'll be able to demonstrate that unfailing love no matter what the situation is. But you can't, do that if you're not intentionally stepping into what the Spirit is saying in every situation. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It goes on and says this, And who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things? Next one. Love is not proud. We all struggle with pride in life and sadly many of us don't even realise the potential that waits for us if we just let our pride and move, uh, let go of our pride and move into what God has planned. In fact, the Bible goes on as far as to warn us that God hates the sin of pride and will discipline the proud. Several times over in the Bible it says this. Let us see ourselves as wise. Let us not see ourselves as wise in our own eyes, but let us become humble and willing to learn from God. And the other one is and others. In Galatians six four, it says this: Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. In James 4, it says this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What does it mean to be humble in your life? In your life? What does it mean to be humble in your situation? What does it mean to be humble in dealing with a situation that seems like if you're humble, you're actually stepping back and not actually fulfilling what you want to do? whether it be in work, whether it be at home dealing with kids, dealing with your parents, whether it be in a situation where you feel like justice is not being served if you step back and be humble in that. What does it feel to actually sit there and let go of what you feel might be right, but yet to show love might be the stronger message? I don't know, I'm not in your shoes. But God knows and he actually wants to show love through you. But for you to actually experience that, you actually need to know where God is going with love first. 
and then actions second. What is real love? I'm going to invite the worship band. What is real love? To me, working with youth a lot of the times, and I think I've said this um, during um, one of the services or, or, or so, is that journeying and having a relationship with youth, one of the things that I'm, I'm realising is that they can get into a relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl, um, they get into a relationship whether it be friends or, or they think romantically, and within two days they're telling them that they love them. Or they, they're starting to plan their life out at the age of 13. And you sit there and you go, well, do you actually understand what love is? And they tend to go, yeah, yeah, it's a feeling. Well, is it just a feeling? I don't think it is just a feeling because it's a choice as well. And as I said before, it's a daily choice to step into what God has already presented before us. And I've said this before a couple of weeks ago, is that there is a door in front of us. How we step through that is our choice. And most of the time, and I'm speaking from my own um, own faults, own failures and own experience, is that a lot of the times I walk through the door and go, all right, God, come through. I might use you in certain situations. And do you hear me use that, the language that I use? is that I might use you in situations, whereas the language that we need to start using is God may use me in situations. Because God knows what's going before us and God knows what went on behind us and God knows to our left and our right. He knows what our giftings are. He also knows what our faults are and he loves us anyway. And the thing that I really don't, and it takes me a while to get around and, and that, that clip that I showed you just beforehand, I, I have a tear in my eye because I sit there and go, look, I know what I've done. God knows what I've done. And he loves me anyway. And the thing that I, and as I was saying before, the thing that I find hard to actually uh, gather is that if I was the only person on the earth, God would have sent his son again to go through what he did. But that's the same for you as well. If you were the only person on this earth, if you were the only person that needed saving, he has that much love for you that he would send his son to say, I want to finish this race with you. I want you to know how much you mean to me. And it's not about a factitious love. It's a love that I am going to utterly... It just came over me just then. God is saying, I created this earth, I created everything on this, but yet you are my priority. Am I yours? Because if you make God your priority, then you will actually understand what love he is trying to express through you. It doesn't matter the situation, doesn't matter the person, doesn't matter the, the, the object, as it says, we, we throw this word love out with an empty meaning. But yet God's saying there is so much more meaning behind that word love. Come and explore this with me. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.